Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of the Shulable Podcast. As always, we're brought to you by the fine folks at Five Reason Sports. Your home for South Florida sports news, Eric Henry, managing editor of Underdog Dynasty, of course, FIU coverage as well. Not a full house tonight, but we do have a special guest. Only got Shane Marinelli. I shouldn't say only because Shane has been busting his hump over the past, uh, what, few weeks since recruiting has been back in session. He has been pounding the pavement across the state, making it to every single camp that uh, colleges have had to offer the mega camps. Uh, whether it was the Butch Davis one in, uh, at South Florida, excuse me, at, at FIU, uh, USF one, et cetera. Shane has been pounding the pavement, of course, FAUs as well. Shane Marinelli, all things FAU for the FAU Owls Nest. But as I said, we have a special guest on the line. He's a guy who Shane's wanted to have on. We know you guys have uh, made your voices heard on, on our uh, Twitter page. You definitely want to hear him as well. He's a national college football reporter for The Athletic, primarily specializing in group of five. Mr. Chris Vanini. Chris, how's it going, my man? Appreciate you making the time tonight. I am doing well, guys. Appreciate you having me. Of course, not a problem. And the primary reason we want to have you on is we taped pretty much immediately after the news came down regarding the uh, look at what seems to be a looming playoff expansion uh, going from four teams to potentially 12 in the uh, potentially a, a near future. Don't want to put a time on it just yet. I know that is still all in the works. And for those of us who follow Group of Five football, you know, that is an announcement that has spread music to our ears for a long time. I know Shane has wanted to get in on this topic for a while here and specificity to just how it affects the Group of Five schools, recruiting, things of that nature. So Shane, uh, by all means, have at it. Chris, I, I, I don't know if maybe I kind of over, do you think it, this is an overstatement? Um, and I said this as regards to our podcast with FAU and FIU. And I said, this is maybe one of the greatest things that have happened to these programs. Uh, it, I said it, it completely changes the, the dynamic of what they can sell, what they can offer, uh, and, you know, just how, the, you know, how people can perceive their schools possibly. Do you think that's overstating it? No, I, I think that's right. I mean, I, I wrote a similar thing, you know, when the news came down and that is, I think the group five is the biggest winner out of all of this. And it, it, it's for multiple reasons. One, obviously they have a spot at the table now. I mean, it would not have been hard for, you know, the powers that be the power five conferences to decide, Hey, we just want to double the size of what we have now go eight at larges, best eight, get in. And that's what we go with. Th- th- that was a very real option. And if that had happened, Group of five would have never made that. They, they've only been ranked number eight, I think, twice. And we know what kind of what, what the bar is. It's very likely the group five never would have made the playoff. Would have sped us onto the, the road down the power five, group of five divide. Very easily going to happen. And instead, they have a spot now. And not only one, I mean, it could be two. It, it, it's, it's unlikely to be two most years, but technically it's possible. And Mike Oresco, the commissioner of the American, made this point. Uh, which is kind of my second reason this is a big deal. And that is now outside of governance, all 10 conferences are considered equal because it's going to six best conference champions. Technically speaking, that's up for grabs for anybody. Now it's most likely going to be the five power five and one group of five, but you can make a case now. And I'm actually kind of working on a story on this, that the group of five moniker will no longer exist because it's not about picking one from this group of five, it's picking six out of the group of 10. 
And so I think, yeah, this is a huge, huge deal, huge win. Maybe the most, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I'd necessarily call it a game changer, but I'd call it a lifesaver. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think the biggest point is, you know, you made is with the verbiage. You get rid of the group of five. And I think one thing that's always been hard, and I discussed this with a lot of G5 football fans, is, you know, they want to sell their programs as FBS, but, you know, a lot of times their fans, and especially, you know, with the students and stuff, are basically being told by ESPN that they're less. Your games don't mean as much. And I think just that verbiage around the programs goes, you know, just as far as, you know, just the one spot, right? Like now these schools kind of feel like they have this chance. I mean, you kind of just agree with that? No, I I agree with it. And and, I mean, there's certain, you know, I I keep saying group of five. I cover, I say I cover the group of five. I'm, I'm as much of a part of that as anything else. But the commissioners, some of the commissioners don't and have never used the phrase group of five. I mean, technically it is a real term, but in the future it won't be. A lot of them like to say autonomous five and non-autonomous five, because that is more related to NCAA governance and certain rules you can do. But when it comes to being on the football field, yeah, technically speaking, there's no power five group of five anymore, or there won't be once this happens. Uh, I, my last question, or not my last question, but just to write down, I saw there was a tweet yesterday, um, and it, it was basically ESPN. Uh, I believe you know, I believe it was their CEO or someone high in their cultural ball department. Excuse me for me not remembering it. Is. And it's basically you know them admitting that they've kind of caused this problem in college football, where we've made college football about so just about you know the championship in the top four and. Anyone who loves college football, that's not really why they got into it. It's the craziness. It's the rivalries. It's the, you know, everyone kind of has a story and is playing for something. Do you think that there is going to be a little bit more, especially, and I think ESPN has a lot to do with this, um, kind of internal looking for ESPN and be like, hey, it's about time we start raising all the ships instead of just Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State. Yeah, that was from uh, my colleague Nicole Auerbach wrote a good story. We're, we're actually doing a series of articles on The Athletic this week about how the sport is too top-heavy. And so she wrote a story from the, from the media angle, and she talked to Lee Fitting, who is the, the director of College Game Day. And he that's exactly what he said. He said, we're realizing that maybe only focusing on the top handful of teams is not in everybody's best interest. And so they're going to look to scale that down a little bit more. And it's not even power five, group of five. It's, hey, maybe they don't talk about the Kansas State-West Virginia game at all. Or maybe they don't talk about the Boise State-Nevada game or something like that. So, and, and they realize, like, college football has tried to turn itself into a national sport. But that doesn't really work because it's not a pro sports league. It's, it's still a very regional sport. You have conferences. You have schools and, and opponents you've had for the last hundred years. It's a regional sport that is, it got supercharged into a national sport, I think with this college football playoff and what the 12 team idea would do would, it would still be a national sport, but it would keep a lot more teams involved in that sense. So that's where you kind of find that balance. So yeah, ESPN sets the table. They set the table. They set the narrative. 
they determine a lot of what we end up talking about. And they know that. And I think they realize that it's, it's maybe skewed too much in that direction. Yeah, Chris, that certainly was an excellent feature by Nicole in The Athletic. I absolutely would recommend for anyone who hasn't read it, please uh, take the time, A, to subscribe to The Athletic, but B, to, to read that feature. Uh, I want to chime in here with Chris, with, with this really quick, Chris, excuse me. Um, this is a hypothetical that I've thrown out with some people. I know Shane's thrown it out as well, you know, in just some of our various conversations off here. Uh, kind of, you know, follow me here. So as a graduate of UCF, one of the things that I, I would tell other, you know, UCF um, alumni and whatnot is that, look, you know, <laughs> the, the UCF Twitter mafia may have a certain perception of what they believe the school is and the program is. And it's not to say that it hasn't achieved great heights over the past, you know, three, four years. But at the end of the day, under the previous, you know, kind of playing field of group of five versus power five, it can only be so much. And, and I remember, you know, some of the the fury over, you know, Josh Heupel and, and Danny White choosing to leave and saying, you know, how could they do this? And the fact of the matter is this, is that under that structure, you know, UCF, is, as much as, you know, that fan base may hate to admit it, is inevitably going to be a, a stepping stone to a bigger school uh, and a bigger program. Now, with this potentially leveling the playing field, uh, and I promise you, there's a question in here somewhere, Chris, it's not just going to be, a, you know, kind of opining, but this is kind of my, my thinking here. If you're a, a student athlete and, you know, coming out of high school, a big time recruiter, or maybe like a Gus Malzahn who, you know, loses his job at a power five and wants to take a school at, you know, quote unquote group of five, is the route to the college football playoff, I don't want to say easier, but this is kind of what I'm saying. If you're, you're Mississippi States, your Vanderbilts, you know, those, that tier power five school, the route to the college football playoff inevitably is going to be harder when you have to fight through the, the meat of the SEC. Whereas if you can get to a UCF or, or maybe even if you look at the run that like a UAB has had this, the past few years with Bill Clark at Conference USA, you can, in theory, is it fair to say that it's probably easier to be one of those top, uh, you know, group of five schools in, in, in any given year as opposed to being one of the top power five schools if you're not at, quote unquote, one of those, you know, eight or ten schools that's traditionally in it every year? No, I, I mean, and this is also what I'm, I'm writing on for next week is that it really changes the dynamic of what's possible. And if you are t- – take Luke Fidler at Cincinnati. He's making $3 million a year, and he's got a good – if the 12 team was out today, he's got a good shot to make the playoffs. Why, why would you go anywhere else? Other than other than like an Ohio State, you know, where where you know he played and everything, where, where else are you going to go that you're going to get a better chance of what you want to do? It, it it really, outside of those top handful of jobs, if you're at a Houston, if you're at a UCF, if you're at a Cincinnati, maybe a Boise State, these these top G five schools that pay well, you've got a path to everything you want to accomplish now, and it's going to be harder to pry some of those coaches away. Now, you know, you don't want to take a mid-tier power five job as opposed to a high-level group five job because you're not going to get much more out of it. You know, Lance Leipold just left Buffalo for Kansas. You know, I don't know if that happens in a 12-team playoff. Um, I, I, mean, part of, I mean, part of the reason he's going to Kansas is because I think his salary tripled. Buffalo doesn't pay much. The MAC is low on the pay range. But – especially in the American where you got more than half the coaches making more than $2 million. Uh, yeah. It, there's not much 
incentive to leave. I, you, uh, how much are you really getting out of it other than maybe an extra couple of million dollars? And not, not to say that that's not a lot of money, but, you know, in terms of what you want to accomplish as a coach, it doesn't really change. Chris, I know we've got you for a few more minutes here. So, Shane, I'll let you go ahead and uh, get your last few in. Chris, I had a question. You know, I, I, I'm not going to ask you to dole out a percent here on a hypothetical question. Uh, and, and we know that some of this uh, decision making is because some of the bigger bowls, you know, in years that they weren't in the playoff kind of cycle, they're probably getting a little tired of having a game where there's 15 opt outs on each team, right? Uh, like the Florida Oklahoma game last year. If you're the Cotton Bowl, you're pretty upset with the team that Florida brought. Uh, but how much credit would you give uh, to Danny White and UCF for kind of with the whole national title thing and almost making a and they, they made a mockery of the system uh, to this uh, to us getting to this 12 man play playoff? Not only just getting to it. We got to it pretty quickly. It seems like it'll be before the end of the contract of the, you know, the four of the, the fourteen playoff. Yeah, no, they deserve a lot of credit. And after it was at, I don't know what year it was. It was after the twenty eighteen season when UCF went undefeated and went to the Fiesta Bowl. It was shortly after that that the working group was formed, the the four person working group. And actually, at the time, again, my colleague Nicole Arbach wrote a story way ahead of everybody else at the time saying that this was going to happen and people were wanting to talk about expansion. You had Barry Alvarez, who was a former committee member. You had Gordon Gee, the president of West Virginia. Everybody realized that UCF had no shot. They realized the system was not fair and it had to change. And it took a few years to finally get it, but UCF going undefeated twice, not getting close to it, Throw on Cincinnati going undefeated and not getting in. And Coastal Carolina going undefeated and not even getting in the top 10. I think that played a huge role in expansion happening. And I think that's why they went to a 12 team model that gets a spot to the group of five. Because the, F- the SEC was never going to agree to six auto bids plus two at larges. The SEC wants more at larges because it means more SEC teams. So I-, I-, I think that's why I think 12 was really kind of a winning proposition for everybody. But yeah, group of five, UCF, and then throw on Cincinnati Coast Carolina recently. I think they deserve a lot of credit for for this, not only the expansion happening, but expansion happening or resulting in the model that we're uh, likely going to get. Uh, my, my final question, and this is one I think Eric and I have talked about a bunch of times. Some about in Conference USA, and I, and I think even the last time we had you on, you know, we've discussed the Conference USA kind of being this conference without much of an identity and teams spread out. And a lot of the Sunbelt and Conference USA geography wise doesn't make sense. Nonetheless, without that, I kind of hypothesize or theorize that Sunbelt and Conference USA should almost figure out a way to get, you know, their two best teams, maybe their champions in a way, or figure out something with scheduling or, combining you know becoming kind of this one super conference so they are getting their teams playing each other to almost increase their chance right strengthen their uh you know uh it, whether it, so it be that 
an FAU and an App State are kind of at the top of the conference, and it's like, okay, well, we want to strengthen their schedule. How do we get these teams? Obviously, that would come through a conference merger of some sort. But do you think it would be smart for those these these conferences to almost maybe go back to the drawing board and be like, how can we make this better and get our best team out of this kind of this, this whole region up to the top and you know compete with um a sit you know a possible undefeated Cincinnati or a UCF or a Houston. Yeah, I mean it's kind of along the lines of why don't they realign or merge? And frankly, a big part of that is the Sun Belt doesn't need to. You know, they've had a top twenty-five team the last couple of years. App State was in there two years ago. Uh, Coastal and Louisiana were in there last year. They don't have the geographical issues that Conference USA has, other than Texas State kind of being way out there. But the Sun Belt's pretty secure. I mean, they booted New Mexico State and Idaho, added Georgia Southern and App State, and that has been a brilliant decision. Um, now the resources in the league are are not uh, super high, but you've got a lot of really good, especially football programs, and a lot. Uh, I don't, there's no really incentive for them to do that. I, I, I talked to people in the league last year. I talked to some ADs and they said the same thing. They were just like, why do we need to do it? We, we don't, we're good. You know, conference USA is the one that's kind of in a mess. And what I, but I, but what I do think you'll see is especially in non football sports is that I think you'll see a lot more non-conference games between the leagues as a part of saving travel costs and stuff like that. So you could see a lot more games between teams in the league in other sports, maybe in football too. Uh, but uh, yeah, mostly it's just the Sun Belt's rolling right now, especially in football. And I just don't really think they'd get much out of it that they don't already have. It will absolutely be something to keep an eye on as we move forward in the coming weeks, months, and the time until the playoff expands. But with that, we're going to go and close this one up. This is part two of our college football playoff discussion. Want to thank Chris Benini for making the time to join us. You can find him on Twitter at Chris Benini. You can find Shane on Twitter at Marinelli Shane. Find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. And of course, Shane's work, FAUowlsnest.com. My work, underdogdynasty.com. And last but not least, want to thank the fine folks at Five Reason Sports, Ethan Skolnick, for giving us the platform. You can find them on Twitter at the number Five Reason Sports. Thank you for listening. And we are less than 90 or almost less than 80 days, I believe, till uh, the opening of a new season. So stay tuned and uh, have football watching soon enough.